Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen, and I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes for today's episode at bloggingbistro.com. Today, I am thrilled to welcome one of my friends, Lindsay Franklin, onto the podcast. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. I was thinking back to when we first met, and it was quite a few years ago, I think, at a writer's conference, which is where I meet a lot of my author friends, and I'm guessing that's the case for you too. And I remember that you attended one of the classes that I was teaching, and then later we had some one-on-one coaching time together. I just got this feeling when we first met, when we first sat down together, that you were going to go places with your writing. And you have. Thank you so much. Oh, that's so nice. Wow. I'm blushing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You write young adult fantasy novels. Many, many moons ago when I used to teach high school English and I taught creative writing and it seemed like every student in my creative writing class had was writing fantasy and they had a dream to write fantasy novels. So was that your dream when you were a kid as well? You know, I have always been a writer. And so I I did write that sort of stuff when I was a kid. It did not occur to me that I might do this as a career, even back then. So I, I did have a dream to write novels, to write fantasy novels, but I did not think of it as a potential future career until I got into my 20s. And it was like, hey, people do actually do this, you know, adults do this for a living, maybe this is a thing that I should do. So it was a dream that I was living out when I was a kid, I had a lot of different projects going and things that I was writing, but um, I did not see this in my future. I had other career plans. So it's kind of uh, the answer is yes and no to that question. (laughs) Well, when I was looking at your website, Lindsay, I I discovered some fun facts about you. So I thought I would reveal those because, you know, websites always have the typical bio. Like Lindsay Franklin is a Carol Award winning author, a freelance editor and a homeschooling mom of three. But then you've got a lot of fun stuff on your bio as well. And you say that the first novel you wrote was about unicorns, dance camp, and an evil sorceress. Yes. (laughs) All of those things go so well together, don't you think? (laughs) Dance camp. How did that get thrown in there with unicorns and sorceress? That's a really great (laughs) question. I was a dancer. And so it was probably writing what I knew. Yes. (laughs) And oh, let's make a little caveat here. You were 11 years old. You weren't like... 35 when you're right. Correct. And I had been dancing my whole life. And so, you know, in my world building process, I probably sat down and thought, oh, dance camp, that would be a great place, a great setting for this story to take place. Um, And so that would have been like a portal fantasy where I had my, my regular girl at dance camp, and then this other world with the evil sorceress and the unicorns and everything kind of blends into like the worlds collide and suddenly she's in the unicorn evil sorceress world instead. So sounds good. I think you should write about that now. I think you should keep working on that novel. (laughs) Wait, wait a minute. Maybe it's already published. Did it it get published? (laughs) No, it's probably on an old floppy disk. Uh, (laughs) When I first started teaching high school, uh, this was the very beginning of the computer generation. And we got a a TRS-80, which we fondly called the trash 80 and then we and then we got some apple computers and in those early days of the first pcs they didn't have hard drives right no zero hard drive 
And then was came the invention of the floppy disk. And so you'd be like flipping this disk over every minute or so, so that it would save your work. Oh, and we thought that was the most amazing invention ever. <laughs> oh, man. I can remember going into the computer lab in elementary school, getting to play the Oregon Trail on the old oh. Apple II in the computer lab was like the highlight of everybody's week. It was yeah. amazing. That unicorn book is probably saved on, you know, like a rigid floppy. I can't remember the sizes now, how big they uh, are. Uh, oh, yeah. Those little ones. Those the little, little ones. The little yeah. hard disks. The little the hard, hard floppy disks. Yeah. Hard floppy disk. That's an oxymoron. Yes. I actually wrote my first and only novel on a manual typewriter. My mom's manual typewriter. When I was like in junior high, I taught myself how to type. I wrote what I knew too. So my novel was titled The Red Brick House on Pine Street. I just happened to live on, guess the name of the street? Pine, Pine? Street. Yeah. And The Red Brick House was my next door neighbor. Oh. And the main character's name was Andy. And I had a person in my life named Andrew, which was my brother. So yeah, just like you, you Lindsay, <laughs> yep. I was writing what I knew. <laughs> we were taking professional writing advice as when we were children and we didn't That's even right. know it. <laughs> and we both grew up to be professional writers, which is super yeah. cool. <laughs> awesome. How about, let's get back to talking about fantasy, because right now you are in the middle of doing a book launch for your latest book. Tell us a little bit about the Story Hunter that just launched on May 19th. Yes. So that is book three in the Weaver trilogy. And book one, um, not everybody knows the series name is the Weaver trilogy. People tend to recognize more book one's name, which is the story peddler. Um, so that, that one released in 2018, and then book two in 2019. And then now we have released the final book in the trilogy. And I found that talking about the story hunter without spoiling the first two books is rather difficult. <laughs> mm, okay. So I can give you a little overview of kind of some of the world building and the, the magic system, as it were, in the series. In this story world, art is magic, basically. So um, if you've seen the covers of these books, it's a hand with all these strands coming out. So uh, my main character, Tanwen, is a storyteller. So when she tells stories, these strands of color and light and fabric and all kinds of different materials come out of her hands. And as she weaves the tail, these strands all come together. And then she gets to the end of the story and those strands crystallize into a solid object, a little crystal object that represents the story that she then sells. So that's how she makes her living. She travels around selling stories like that. Oh, cool. So, yeah. And so her big goal is to become the royal storyteller to the king. And the arts are kind of suppressed, kind of, I say. They're very suppressed in this kingdom because art reveals truth. And this particular king doesn't really want certain truths to be revealed. So uh, my girl thinks she's going to work her way to the capital city and become royal storyteller to the king. And instead, she uh, accidentally tells a story that accuses the king of treason and lands on uh -oh. his most wanted list. Oh, uh, not good. Yes. A lot of suspense there. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. I, I'm not, I don't read the fantasy genre all the time, but I do enjoy it occasionally. And I know that your books are very well written. So I'm definitely going to read all three. When I read a book that is part of a series, I like to just 
start after all the books in the whole series have been published so I can just read them back to back to back to back. So what attracted you to the fantasy realm and specifically to young adult fantasy? There are a couple answers to that question. My childhood was difficult. In some ways, I I was very blessed with two parents who loved me and and all of this, but I had a lot of um, difficult, dark things in my childhood too, some things that were really hard. And I think the fantasy genre in particular, I love reading across all genres. I've always loved lots of different genres. I love historical. I love um, contemporary fiction. Um, I love suspense and thrillers. But I think fantasy particularly drew me because of the otherworldly quality of it. There was something escapist in, I hope not an unhealthy way, but just in in a way that allowed me to step outside of my uh, difficult circumstances that I was dealing with um, throughout my childhood and step into a different world. It really transported me. And so I think that's why I was drawn especially to the fantasy genre, both as a reader and a writer. When did you start writing fantasy? So it sounds like you've been reading fantasy for many, many years. And then was there a a point when you made a decision to start writing it? That book when I was 11 that I started was fantasy in nature. And I think a lot of the the stories that I wrote before that I think were also fantasy. I think it, because it was a lot of what I was reading, it, it was naturally what I chose to write to. And I found that that kind of transportive, I might've just made up that word, um, that, that transportive quality, <laughs> um, it, it applied when I was building the worlds myself too, uh, that I could kind of fall into that imaginary place and um, build that world myself. It it had the same kind of escapism for me that I really enjoy. I still enjoy that. The pre-writing process is one of my favorite parts of the writing process because I get to just sit with my little spiral notebook and my colored pens and (laughs) imagine, you know, I just get to kind of imagine what if the world was like this and what if this were true and what if that were, uh, you know, the big danger in this world. It's Escape is the only word I can think of. And that sometimes has a negative, you know, connotation, like you're, like you're forgetting about the real world and escaping to somewhere else. But it's like, like a journey. So a positive escape where you just get to go on an adventure for a while, and then you go back to your real life in the real world. But I I love that feeling of the journey. I've noticed that a lot of fantasy stories are written as trilogies. Is that because you have to do such a thorough job of world building that it it takes longer or you know you need three books in order for that to happen tell me about about just that whole strategy of creating a trilogy most fantasies uh, are series and i think it is because we put so much into the world building one book is not enough to really scratch the surface. I feel like I just barely glanced off the surface in book Mm. one. And that's actually one of the most common uh, comments that I get from readers. And they've now spent, you know, over 300,000 words in this story world. And they still tell me, I wish these books were a little bit longer. I wish there was a little like that you could dive a little bit more and explain more about this and go more into that and see what's going on over here in this part of the world instead. And and so I think that fantasy readers really crave that. They crave diving deep into this, this world for the same reason I love building those worlds. They want to go adventuring into these new places, these imaginary places too. I don't think that I've ever thought of a fantasy 
story idea that is not more than one book. <laughs> hmm. Now, you said 300,000 words in three books, so 100, 000, approximately 100,000 words per book. Is that a fairly typical length for the fantasy genre? I think probably for YA fantasy in the um, adult fantasy, you're going to find even longer, even longer books. This is it's really hard to be a fantasy novelist submitting for the first time when you don't have any publishing track record or anything because publishers are looking at these tomes. They're getting these yeah. submissions for, you know, 150,000 words for one book. And they're like, oh, that's an expensive book to to print. It's more expensive than one that's 65,000 words. Yeah. That's kind of what I wanted to ask you about because you're working with a, a traditional royalty publishing house, right? Correct. For the for this, Who's your publisher for this trilogy? Enclave Publishing. Enclave, that's right. You said that you're your readers kind of have been clamoring. I wish there were more words. I wish the story was longer. I wish there were maybe a fourth a book or a fifth or whatever. <laughs> Does that sometimes have to do with limitations that the publisher gives you as well? Like they may say, we want three novels of 100,000 words each, and that's what you're contracted to write. So in other words, are you kind of constrained due to the limitations of a contract? Or is there a little bit of wiggle room there in terms of length? I think that I, I'm pretty sure there is like a target word count in my contract. I'd have to be, I'd have to go back to be sure about that. Um, but it is definitely a consideration when we're talking with our publishers before the books are written. Uh, they are definitely thinking about length. And and I'm, I'm pretty sure that my contract does say approximately 100,000 words, something like that. Um, I know a friend of mine with a traditional... Uh, publishing contract, she had to take her four book series and make it into three instead because it was going to be contracted as a trilogy. So she had four books worth of content that had to be kind of condensed and and made to feel complete and deep enough, but also not go over her her publisher's preferred word count in three books. So there's a lot of dancing, I guess, with that mm. that happens. And and I know that my editor, he's always trying to get me kind of more like in the 90 to 95,000 range. And part of that is because I'm an overwriter. So if I turn something uh -huh. into him, <laughs> yep, I'm one of those. Uh, if I turn something into him, that's 100,000 words in my rough draft, there probably is a good, you know, five to 8,000 words that he can just trim out because it's just too fatty. That's not what my readers are asking for. They're not asking for, you know, 120,000 bloated words, they just want more story. You know, So there's always a little bit of a dance with this and and telling enough of the story that you're not bogging it down for those readers who really want to move quickly through it but you're giving enough to those really world-centric readers who want that immersive experience so there's hmm. there's always a little bit of a dance there especially with fantasy I feel like because our readers are a little bit a little bit different than in other genres a minute ago you mentioned enclave publishing that publisher specifically deals with fantasy. Do they do science fiction as well? They do. Yep. Okay. And they're considered a Christian publisher. Correct. So technically, your series would be considered inspirational or Christian. Now, I know some people in the Christian world have issues with <laughs> what's called Christian fantasy. So tell me, talk to me a little bit about that. And how's that working for you? And is your book specifically Christian? Or is it more kind of a general market crossover type of book? I mean, books, the three books. This is a really 
interesting question and an interesting issue that we authors of faith who write in these genres talk about all the time. Mm. <laughs> We're always talking about uh, where the lines are and what's permissible for us, what's maybe not, maybe there are certain lines we shouldn't cross. And this is a conversation uh, that happens in my professional circles a lot. And of course, we get a lot of criticism. We'll get criticism from both sides where people feel like, as you said, that Christian and fantasy don't go together, that these are these are two things that should not be uh, together. And when I, I sometimes stop myself when I use the word magic system to describe what's in my books, because some people have an automatic, um, a lot of believers have an automatic reaction to the word magic, because they think I mean witchcraft, which is not, not what I mean. <laughs> not what I mean at all. It, in a lot of Christian fantasy series, when we say magic, we're maybe talking about a physical manifestation of a supernatural gift that comes from the creator. That that would be a good way to describe the magic mm -hmm. in my series. So um, I've been in this industry for a long time. I've been in this industry for 10 years now. And so as a as somebody who came in writing fantasy, this is a conversation I've been having for 10 years. And so I did in the beginning, I thought, well, wow, this never occurred to me that people were really going to have a problem with this because I wasn't raised in the church. And so a lot of people in my peer group who are my age, who were brought up in the church, you know, they went through, culturally speaking, the Dungeons and Dragons is, mm -hmm. is sinful. And, and a lot of those, those uh, things that the evangelical community dealt with in the 80s and 90s and beyond, and then the Harry Potter kind of, uh, you know, controversy within the church. And that just wasn't part of my experience, because I wasn't part of, of this culture. So I really didn't know it was going to be like a, a controversial thing until I walked into the Christian publishing industry. And it was like, oh, okay, so there are people who are not cool with this. That's interesting. I need to think about this. And I did. I thought a lot about it. Where are my lines? Am I honoring God with my writing and my storytelling and asking the Holy Spirit to convict me whenever I'm, you know, veering off track? For me personally, I don't generally have a problem knowing when I'm in sin. I pretty much am like, oh, yep, here we are. I've, you know, I've gone down that path. I'm not usually kind of with, uh, walking you know, alongside Jesus with blinders on, I can usually tell when I have erred and I err all the time. But I have never felt convicted about writing fantastical stories. That has never been a thing that the Holy Spirit was like, you really need to rethink this. And, and I've actually spent a lot of time specifically in prayer about that. So my conscience is clear in, mm -hmm. in, writing what I write. And I will always spend time in prayer before I'm crafting a new story. Like, you know, how can I honor God most with my words? What is the story that God wants me to tell in this book? But I also believe that nobody should sear their own conscience. So if somebody has a, a difficult time understanding how fantastical stories and Christianity can go hand in hand, and they have a problem with that, they should stay away from it. That's totally okay. You know, they should not do anything that violates their conscience or that they feel weird about. You know, we all have lines with what we're willing to consume, what kind of media we're willing to consume. And it's totally okay for people to say, oh, I don't know about these, these magic things and what's going on. I'm just going to stay away from that. I'm supportive of that. I think that people should listen to that, that prompting that they have. And we have so many choices these days of 
what's available for us to read. And so if something makes you feel uncomfortable, it's kind of like TV shows or movies too. If you know, they have, that's why they have ratings on movies. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, then no one's forcing you to watch it. There's lots of other great stuff out there that you can choose. But for the people who do enjoy fantasy and who like the world building, so, so do your books have kind of a Christian flavor to them or what, what would be in your books or not in your books that would make them distinctly Christian? So in this particular series, it kind of varies across my different series, my different books, um, what you might find in there. But in this particular series, the standard accepted religious system in my main character's world is actually a pagan goddess worship type system. And so that's what she's grown up with. That's what she's familiar with. And she um, runs across characters in uh, along the way on her journey who have faith in the creator. Now, the the arts are not the only thing that has been suppressed in this kingdom. We've suppressed a lot of things and um, talk of the creator is one of them. And so there's a little bit of you know, Christian worldview in there talking about one creator. And he, um, he comes into play with the source of he is the source of these gifts that um, this story is really very much about creativity and how that reflects our creator, we're made in his image. And so our human creativity is a reflection or a shadow of our creator's creativity. And Mm -hmm. so for people who are biblically literate, who, who, you know, either come from a Christian worldview or have studied the Bible, they're going to see all kinds of Christian themes in there. I'm, uh, I was educated at a Bible college. And so there's going to be a lot of stuff that's woven in there. That is my worldview. It spills out into everything that I write, because that is the center of my life. Mm. Is it like Chronicles of Narnia, where we have a Jesus character and in a very clear picture of Christ's atoning sacrifice? No, it's not Christian fiction in that sense. And, and sometimes I get criticism on that end where people feel like it's not, it's not Christian enough. I should have had more Christian fantasy elements. <laughs> so it's, it's always kind of this like weird fine line that you're mm-hmm. walking uh, with that stuff. But I, I've got a lot of general market readers, a lot of crossover readers who have not found, at least that I've heard yet, there may be some out there, but I've not heard a lot of um, people who have found my Uh, Christian themes to be very offensive. So I'm writing with this series in that space where I want to share my faith with people who maybe are not coming from the same place that I am. And I want to share it in a way that isn't going to immediately put them on the defensive. Because I didn't grow up in the church, I know that position. I was in that position for many years where my whole childhood, I was like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to hear about God. I don't want to hear about the church. And so my hope is that my stories will show light and truth and hope in a way that is I don't want to say non-offensive, but kind of in a way that's not going to immediately put somebody on the defensive, that they might Mm -hmm. let it in and um, let that kind of sink into their heart a little bit and start to plant some seeds. And so it would then be another believer's job, probably, or me in a one-on-one conversation. I've had that happen, too, where people who have read my books and then reach out to me privately, and suddenly I'm having a one-on-one conversation with them. That's a much more direct place for me to share my faith and to share the gospel with them. So so I would say Christian themes are really subtle, but if you are aware of those kinds of themes, you will absolutely see them in this series. It seems as if the key here 
is you, the author, are talking with God about your story before you even start writing and all the way through the writing process. You said earlier, what's the story that God wants me to tell? And then how can I honor God with my storytelling? And those to me are just two really key elements that any author, particularly a faith-based author, really needs to be considering for any type of writing project that we're working on, whether it's fiction, nonfiction, a blog post, even, and maybe most especially a Facebook post and Instagram is instead of just going out there and putting out my rant of, of the world on Facebook is how can I honor God with this little piece of writing? What is the the story God wants me to tell or the point that God wants me to make in this piece of writing, no matter how short or long it is. So thank you for sharing that. That really gave me a lot to think about. Awesome. I I love that application too on social media, you know, to social media, because we sometimes throw those words out there without uh, enough thought, you know, throwing out the Instagram caption or the uh, Facebook post. And um, you're absolutely right that no matter how short, the the piece that we're writing, whether it's a caption or a blog post, it that is such an important question to ask ourselves. How can I honor God with these words? Because if you're a writer, you were given the gift of words that came mm-hmm. from God. And yes. so we always want to seek to honor him with the gifts that he's given to us specifically. Well, one of the things I wanted to do during our conversation today, Lindsay, was to talk about some of the book launch techniques that you're using. I'm wondering if you would be willing to come back again and join me next week and we can talk specifically about what you're doing for the book launch. You up for that? I would love to. If you'd like to learn more about Lindsay and grab a copy of The Story Hunter, which is book three in the Weaver trilogy, before we meet again next week, you can head over to lindsayafranklin.com. I will put a link to Lindsay's website in the show notes at bloggingbistro.com. I'll also have her bio there and some other links that you can check out. If you're enjoying the show, I invite you to share it with a friend. You can also subscribe to the show from your favorite podcast listening app or over at bloggingbistro.com. You can subscribe and you'll get email notifications of each new episode. Also at my website, you'll find a link to join the Professional Writer Podcast Community Facebook group. And that's where we take the discussion to the next level. We talk about what we're learning, the things that we're thinking about. It's a nice little community and it's growing every week. Lindsay and I will be back with you again next week where we will specifically be talking about her book launch of this third book in the trilogy and some of the strategies that she has been using that are working really well for her. So I hope you'll join us again.